Hello, hello, hello. I'm back. Uh, how's it going? Great. Good to talk to you. This is Andy. This is another Tangle Tale. And I thought I would do a little little episode on the production capacity at Tanglefoot and where I see it going. Um, I, I did an episode that, that was a broad overview of the brewing process with some specifics to my system and and what I have to do at Tanglefoot so which actually got some some pretty positive feedback my brother of out of you know everybody texted me and, and called me had questions about more detailed steps in the process so I think I will do a little deep dive on different elements of the brewing process and how they specifically apply to Tanglefoot in the future so keep an eye out for those but as far as production is concerned, I wanted to first identify what, you know, a lot of people will ask, you know, how big your system or like how much can you brew at a time? And so at Tanglefoot Brewing, I brew on a Frankenstein homebrew setup that I have on a old super heavy duty steel cart that I am able to roll from one area in the kitchen of the barbecue barn that I um, yeah, I put new casters on it. So I'm able to roll the cart from that storage area to underneath the hood vent for our range so that I can, you know, vent all of the, the evaporated water from the boiling process. <clears throat> so, um, my hodgepodge homebrew system is a couple of, of kettles that are big enough to do a 20 gallon batch of beer. And then I have a, uh, boil kettle that is a 50 gallon boil kettle that I, per that's the, the newest piece of equipment that I bought from, I think spike brewing. It's a uh, nice and shiny and, and super big, but essentially in the brewing process, I have to do two mashes in order to extract enough sugar, um, enough wort from those grains to make a full, you know, fill my boil kettle and, and produce one barrel of beer. So essentially my production capacity at the moment is one barrel at a time. And for those that don't know, a barrel is 31 gallons. It's a unit of measurement within the beer industry. And a, a keg of beer is a half barrel. So each like normal, you know, air quotes, normal, sized keg large keg is 50 or 15.5 gallons which is one half barrel so two kegs is what i'm able to produce at a time but what that means is i can brew go through that whole brewing process which i don't know if i mentioned but it's about six and a half hours seven hours depending on the beer and i'm able to knock out or cool down that total volume um, of wort that was brewed and boiled and put it into one of my two fermentation chambers. So I have two plastic Spiedel uh, fermentation chambers that volumetrically, I believe they're probably closer to like, they're called 120 liters, but I, you know, they're, they're probably like 35 gallons to the top. Um, but I knock out or I cool down one barrels worth of beer and this is the tricky part of explaining this concept to people when they're like, how much beer do you brew at a time? Well, 
technically I could fill that up to 35 gallons, let's say to the brim full, but during fermentation yeast, uh, create CO2 and there's a ton of protein in beer. So it creates a bunch of, uh, foam or head on this, um, fermentation, which is Krausen. And so it's just a bunch of yeast and protein and beer suspended and, and a very active fermentation, all of that stuff would just like blast out of the top. So generally speaking in brewing terms, when you're sizing tanks, no matter what size of the brewery, you want to have some sort of headspace. And the, the kind of standard that I've heard in the industry is about 30%. That was less of a, uh, less of a concern when I was, when I was making these, um, I guess, decisions for what my fermentation vessels were going to be to start up, uh, because I knew that these, you know, these fermentations are pretty small and there was going to be headspace, but with these colder lager fermentations, the, the activity is suppressed, um, compared to like an ale fermentation. So the amount of Krausen that's generated is not going to be as high. Therefore it's not going to be too much of a concern. So if I filled that thing up to, you know, the level that I do for, let's say the 12 degree pale lager, if I did that with like the 22 degree Tamave, like the stout, then yeah, it may foam over and explode out. But I consider all those things when I'm planning on building a, a recipe. So all that to say, when I brew a batch of beer, I generally knock out an amount of beer that will yield me one barrel or 31 gallons enough to fill two kegs. So what happens when I, or what is that volume? So generally speaking, I will knock out about 34 gallons of beer. Um, and then the yield ends up being a little bit less than 31 gallons, but I, I shoot to knock out like 34, 33 gallons of beer or wort, sorry. And then after fermentation and everything settles out, I, uh, I'm able to keg off from that fermentation vessel and, uh, I have two kegs for service. So when you're talking about capacity for a brewery, the calculation is the number of brewery fermentation vessels that you have multiplied by the volume of those fermentation vessels multiplied by how many times you can turn those tanks within a given period. And generally when we talk about this, it's, it's how many barrels of beer can you brew in a year? Um, so I have two fermentation vessels that each can hold up to a realized amount of one barrel of beer finished product, let's say. So I've got one barrel fermentation capacity on each of those fermentation vessels. Um, if I am able to ferment those and empty them in generally speaking, I'm fermenting and emptying after about a month of them being in there, I can turn over one of those fermentation vessels in a year because, or I'm sorry, I can turn over one of those fermentation vessels 12 times in a year because one month divided into a year is 12 months, obviously. So each one of those fermentation vessels allows me to net essentially uh, 12 barrels of beer a year. And like I mentioned in my last episode, and I'm going to do another episode soon about fermentation and, and all the lagering, um, considerations. But if I were to do that with both of those fermentation vessels and I brewed every single time that I was able to brew, I would have a, a capacity at Tanglefoot as it currently stands of 24 barrels a year. 
which is not a lot. That is a very, very, very small amount of beer. Um, at the other brewery that I run, Black Star Co-op in Austin, our system is a 10 barrel system. So each time I brew, I can potentially brew a batch of beer that is almost half of my annual production at, at Tanglefoot. So that's crazy. And obviously that scales up to, you know, Miller Coors, they're brewing 500 barrels at a time. I don't even know, honestly, what size batches are doing, maybe a thousand barrel batches, but, um, so yeah, so my production capacity currently is about 24 barrels, but there are ways that you can adjust that capacity. So one of the ways, um, the most obvious way would be add more tanks. So the more tanks that I have, the more fermentation space at whatever the size is, increases the number of times that I can move a batch of beer through that tank. So, um, yeah, the first step in scaling up would be getting another fermentation chamber slash fermentation vessel. Another thing that can happen, it's pretty similar, but increasing your volume of what you're knocking out or producing. Um, so if you got, went from a one barrel, 31 gallon fermentation vessel to a two barrel or 62 gallon fermentation vessel, you could double your capacity in that given fermentation unit. Um, another way to look at that is if I were to, and I know I just talked about headspace and, and why you don't want to put more beer into your tank, but uh, when you get to scale, all of these concepts are, are much more dramatic because instead of like one gallon of beer, we're talking about hundreds of gallons of beers, but you could increase the amount of beer that you put into each fermentation vessel. So if I normally knock out, let's say 33 gallons of wort to be fermented and yield one barrel of beer, I could push it and knock out 35 gallons of wort. And I briefly talked about the, why that's not something that I am interested in doing, but that is another way to increase capacity. And another way, um, well, I guess, let me finish explaining this. If you were to increase the number of uh, serving or fermentation vessels, cool, that adds brew days. So like I right now I'm only able to brew just given my schedule. I'm only able to brew pretty much once a, on any given week um, if, if there's even a, a fermentation vessel open. But if you were to increase the number of tanks or potential spaces to brew into, then you could increase your brew days and you could essentially you know, scale that way and just put an infinite number of, well, not, not an infinite, a number of brew days that would fill a seven day work week brewing. You know, if the, if it takes seven hours to brew, potentially you could brew three times a day. So, you know, you can run the math out on that, but, um, if you are to scale those tanks and so you go from a one barrel tank to a two barrel tank, you are now looking at either double brewing. If you're knocking out the full capacity of your brew house, uh, into each fermentation vessel, you're either going to double brew into that tank. So you do one seven hour brew session, put the wort into that fermentation vessel, do another seven hour brew session, put the wort into that fermentation vessel or top, top that fermentation vessel off. And then you have a, a basically a double batch in one tank. Um, so not ideal, um, especially the way that I do it. I mean, spending 14 hours you know, and I'm already doing that on a smaller scale when I'm mashing, I'm double mashing into a larger pot. So if I were to do that, you're talking about just an enormous amount of labor sunk into one relatively small batch of beer. And then that's when the economics, I mean, the economics of this thing is already pretty crazy and stupid, but it just gets even more out of whack. So 
instead of doing that, you are um, probably going to want to scale your your capacity on the the hot side or the the brew house side. So you'd look into getting larger mash tun, larger um, brew kettle, and just larger equipment across the board to be able to produce a larger amount of beer. So when I, um, I think I mentioned there was a, another option of scaling capacity. Um, and so that, the, yeah, the last option is turn time on a tank. I'm gonna take a little sip of beer. So if you have two fermentation vessels that are able to be filled with one barrel of, of yielded beer, or they'll yield one barrel of beer. You have a two barrel fermentation capacity uh, or 24 barrels uh, per year. That's affected by the amount of time that the beer needs to stay in there, right? So if you were to say, hey, let's spend less time in this tank. If I were to cut the uh, fermentation slash lagering time from four weeks or let's say one month, of time in there and I did a three week fermentation time and just reduced the number of uh, days that it spends in the tank, it would increase the number of times that I could put beer through that fermentation unit or the fermentation vessel. So I could put beer in for three weeks and empty it and then fill it back up again. So you're saving one week out of every brew. So essentially you get 12 weeks extra, um, which nets you four more brews, which is four more barrels in this case, but you can see how that works on, on any, any scale. Um, but that's not ideal, right? It's, uh, if it works and that is suture what you want the final product to be, then cool, have at it. But it's not ideal for this specific type of beer. That is the reason that this beer is any good to begin with is set it and forget it cold and slow, let it go on its own, um, at its own pace and just give it the time that it needs. So I, I actually do end up lagering for the most of the time in kegs, but that beer still needs to have direct contact with, with the yeast for a period of time. And, um, you know, taking it off of there wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world, but it's, uh, just, the results that I've gotten doing it two different ways. I, I think that this way is, is my preferred uh, direction, but Hey, check back in in a year and maybe I've completely changed and altered the way that I do things. So, but beer quality is first and foremost. Um, so yeah, all of that to say, I have a pretty tiny um, production capacity at Tanglefoot and am going to need to increase it in the near future. So I will probably do another podcast in the next, maybe like the next week or two and detail how I'm going to achieve that. Uh, I'm already looking at options, but I think it'll be cool to document what my thought process is and, you know, where I'm at um, as far as increasing production and, and what the goals are. I have a pretty, pretty big surprise for you listeners and anybody that comes to Tanglefoot in the very near future, but I'm going to hold off and uh, wait to reveal that at another time. So anyways, 
that's uh, a lot about uh, capacity and production that you probably didn't ever think you would know, but now you know. So the more you know. Thanks for listening. And if you have any um, suggestions or would like to hear me document other things about this process, just shoot me a message on Instagram or Facebook or something and I'll definitely consider it because uh, it's I'm just talking into a void right now. And I, if you have any feedback, would love to hear it. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.